podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Ashes Daily Podcast, brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of exciting memories since 1979. We were treated to a fast bowling masterclass a day at Lord's, Hazelwood in the morning, Cummins in the afternoon and Broad and debutant Archer in the evening. Australia 30 for 1 in response to England's 258 on day 2 at the home of cricket. I'm Yazrana and I'm joined at the nursery ground at Lord's at the close of play by the editor-in-chief of the Wisden Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker. Phil, very enjoyable day. Yeah, a, a thriller of a day. Uh, and it's quite a nice moment as well to be recording this, just as the sun's beginning to drop. There's still a few people milling around. Rory Burns just walked past us. Yeah, who, who played nicely, I thought, bravely as well for 50-odd today. I thought it was impressive work. Um, he, he battled on through, he's dropped a couple of times. He probably played the innings of the day from an English perspective, I would say. Bairstow played nicely for 50-odd at the end. But as you say, the story really has to be... Uh, Australia's cohort of quicks uh, and this kind of they're congealing a superb attack now and and I said to you earlier it's kind of redolent of of the great attacks of Australian times times past you know when they have three right arm seamers one quick all three metronomic and a spinner who's the best of his kind you know ring any bells Start at the beginning of the day, Josh Hazelwood took the first three England wickets. Uh, simple question, why wasn't he playing at Edgebaston? Well, it's baffling, and it's baffling why he wasn't playing in the World Cup either. I know he was carrying a bit of an injury, but he, he should have featured, you think, in that World Cup squad. Uh, he was um, exceptional today. Uh, bowled from the, the nursery end, um, swung it late, pitched it up, swung it late, uh, consistently all day as well, even with the slightly older ball when he came back second spell. We know how accurate Joss Hazelwood is, but he was he was incisive and potent today as well, I thought. Um, and made a mockery again of that comparison with McGrath. McGrath always used to bowl at the pavilion end, of course, and used to jag it back down the slope. Uh, well, Hazelwood chose, uh, chose to go the other way and bowled late swing English style away swing today. Uh, he was exceptional, but for me, the bowler of the day was Cummins. We'll get to Cummins in a bit. Hazelwood's record in England is really good. He averages... 23, but that shouldn't be a surprise the way he bowls. Um, his first wicket was that of Jason Roy with the third ball of Hazelwood's day. That, yeah, that was lamentable quite, that, shot. That was quite ugly from Roy, wasn't it? It was well short and well wide of the stumps. Um, unnecessary feeling at one. Yeah. Not really the shot of a first class opener, let alone a test one. <sighs> he, he faced three balls today uh, and it rather set the tone, really. Um, the first ball was short and wide. The only short and wide ball that I can remember Hazelwood bowling and he, and he wafted at it because... Uh, he is a sea ball, hit ball player, and that's not a criticism. He's a product of the modern game. Uh, he's a player that you feel should be batting at four, five, six or seven in this team, but not at number one. Do you think he will by the end of the series? I think England may have dug themselves a bit of a hole uh, with this. And in the absence of any other obvious openers knocking the door down, and of course the absence of, of four-day cricket from which to... To, to take your people, options. Listeners will be screaming saying that Dom Sibley scored a million runs this season, but he's not playing four-day cricket at the moment, so it's quite hard to throw a guy who's never played a test match into the middle of an Ashes series when he's not played a game of Red Bull cricket for a month. I, I don't think they'll be changing it um, at the end of this test match, even if Roy doesn't get any in the second innings. Uh, I think he will open the batting in the next game, and I think he will open the batting in the game after that as well. I think it would be 
uh, premature from a selectorial perspective, if not from a fan's perspective, uh, for them to change, uh, change direction on this one so dramatically. Clearly, Roy at one and Denley at four, uh, they are the two big talking points in this, in this lineup. I fear for Denley, I have to say. I thought he scrapped hard for 30-odd today, but he could have gone a couple of times LBW through the gate. He, Which is he, how he's been out twice already. Yeah, he, he has a technical problem there, and he got a good one from Hazelwood. You know, it swung late, as we say, and, it, and he nicked off. But you can't help feeling that Denley is a likeable county cricketer who has uh, rather stumbled into this position almost by accident and... Uh, I can very much see Ollie Pope coming into the side before the, the series is out. He is playing a four-day game. On Sunday, I think they're playing Hampshire, uh, Surrey, Hampshire. If Pope gets a few, I can, I can see him featuring before too long. And that would be personally the way that I would go. I would bring Pope into that middle order. Interesting. Um, I was saying to you earlier in the day, cricket is, is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, three cricket's weeks, great. Three, three weeks ago <laughs> at the same ground, Rory Burns looked like he never batted before. Uh, two test matches later, he's England's star man. He had, he had quite an odd day. He battled hard, got through the new ball, was dropped twice of Siddle, got to 50, resisted the shortstop from Cummins really well, eventually fell to a world of a catch from Bancroft. I was internally applauding a lot of uh, Burns' leaves today. He seemed really confident of where his, where his off stump was. Um, and I thought he played the shot of the day, which was uh, riding a Cummins bouncer and just <laughs> flicking it for two to fine leg. You... you uh spontaneously applauded in the sprint in the press box when he played that um, he was dropped twice Rory Burns today um, and one was to the keeper's left hand uh, and the other one was to I think Kawaja drops him maybe in, yeah. in the gully two very similar shots uh, and it's that half and half push outside his eye line outside off stump uh, hopefully he will eradicate that shot as well as many of the others and just accept that his his function in this team is to leave it leave it leave it leave it and then shovel a few into the leg side that he doesn't need to do anything else and his game is built on that uh, and he's ordered around that kind of approach this is exactly what England need I don't want him to get out of his bubble I thought he played nicely today but I don't want to see him playing outside his eye line outside off stump wafting out there because that's not his game he doesn't need to do it you're talking about eradicating one shot but you earlier in the day you were saying that he might need to add another shot to help him face the fast bowling because as well as he defended against Cummins you think that the lack of a Burns pull shot means that he's always going to be targeted by bowlers who are as quick as Cummins B before the start of the series and you know that I'm a fan of Rory Burns uh, before the start of the series uh, in the con in the context of his troubles against Ireland um, I feared that they might have overlooked him for the first test match. And I was thinking, with the, his setup, with his technique, with the way that he rocks onto the front foot uh, like a boxer, he's, he's, he's on the balls of both feet, he can move back or forward, which is great and good against medium fast bowlers in county cricket. Looking at that technique, you fear for him against the quicks who are just going to stick it around your ear roll from right arm over time after time after time. Uh, in Australia, when you saw Mark Stoneman go out there, when you saw before that Michael Carberry go out there, two good players in county cricket, two free-flowing players in county cricket, they had nowhere to go in Australia because they were bombed mercilessly to effectively a body-line field of two men on the catch 
a deep and a deep square leg and a man at long leg for the top edge pull as well. They had exactly the same field today to Rory Burns and Patrick Cummins got life out of a pitch that no one else you did. You were in today. awe of that spell. I thought it was a stunner. Either side of lunch, 10 overs, one for 20 odds. So the, the figures are not great, but he was insistent, relentless and unstoppable. And that mini spell against Burns, I thought was absolutely compellingly brilliant cricket. Burns played it as well as he possibly could, I thought, uh, with the technique that he has. Uh, he managed to ride the latest missile. It, it hit the splice of the bat. It was on the way down. And Cameron Bancroft, who is a stunner of a short leg, uh, pulled off one of the catches of the year. Johnny Bairstow hit a 50, a timely knock for him. Timely, uh, yeah, and then some. I mean, he needed that. And and when he was on single figures, he he, he looked like he was really struggling. He Siddle nearly had him on quite a few on quite a few occasions. Uh, I thought he I thought he batted really well. Uh, it's definitely his position, well. isn't it? Don't you think? Mm, yeah, I mean, I mean, his numbers don't suggest he should bat any higher for sure. I mean, I think he's lucky off the back of his last 18 months to even being in the team. Um, but when he and Wokes were at the wicket, the wicket looked quite slow. Quite a docile wicket. Yeah. Two five eight doesn't look like but much. It is does so. It? Yes, it is that kind of wicket. Now, uh, England bowled pretty well, I thought this evening. They certainly created a few half chances, and they got the big one of Warner, uh, a Jaffa from Broad, who's bowled very well in the the one and a bit games that we've seen so far in this series. However, they will know in their heart of hearts it is a docile track out there. Cummins extracted life where there wasn't any. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I think, I fear, if Smith gets in, it's going to be another long day for England tomorrow. Um, to have been bundled out for 250 on a track as lifeless as that, all right, one or two kept low. Um, but, and there was a bit of movement in the air, but the track itself, there was next to no pace in it, and that is concerning, I think, for England, especially with an attack that is based around pace. Those 13 overs of the day, I think, we'll look back on being really crucial at the end of the Test match. Archer on debut, lest we forget, and Broad were excellent with the new ball, swinging the ball both ways, causing problems, and Kawaja Bancroft did really well. Um, I thought Kawaja batted nicely, actually, mm. when he came in. There's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Um, and I thought, I, I thought Archer was, there was certainly a buzz around the ground. That when first he came over was on. brilliant. First over was fabulous, but then I thought Kawaja played him well, right? You know, in the gloaming, the last 15 minutes of the day, I thought Kawaja played him really nicely, actually. And, uh, and I think Kawaja will go into tomorrow feeling, feeling quite chipper, I think. Uh, cliche time, massive first hour. If they can get the first two or three and get Smith in when there's still a bit of lacquer on the ball and not as much hard yakker for the bowlers, then you never know. Uh, but... I think if Australia are anywhere near bowled out tomorrow, England will, be, will feel pretty good about life because it could be a long, hard slog. Going back to the very start of the day, I thought it was quite a brave decision by Tim Payne to, oh, to, w- one, to, to win the toss. Well, brave decision to bowl first after winning the toss. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, not being wise after the event, I, I said it right at the start of the day. I thought it was the right move. The thing is, in a four-day game, and, you, and you're 1-0 up in a series, you're looking at it from Australia's perspective and you're thinking... How can we lose this game? Well, the way we lose it is if we bat first, gung-ho, and we're all out by T for 200. Then we're behind. Then, even though it's a four-day game, it becomes a result game. If they bowl first, then the worst possible thing that can happen to Australia is that England get 400, and then Australia know how to play. You just have to bat for a day and a half across two innings or two days, and you you draw the game. So it was the smart move in a four-day game. I think in a five-day game, it might have been 
slightly different, possibly slightly negative. But in a four-day game, when you're 1-0 up in the series, it made perfect sense to me, and it's played out for them. But blue skies, not a particularly green wicket. Do you think that Payne looked at the recent recent scores and tests well, it's at Lords? Hard to batter, isn't it? So, yeah, so only five of the last 14 completed innings at Lords have had totals of more than 200, which is amazing considering that Lords had a reputation for being one of the flattest decks in the country, if not the flattest deck in the country. Yeah, it's funny though, isn't it? I was talking to Jared Kimber about this on the way in this morning, and there's this notion that groundsmen can control the properties of their pitch to the last cut yeah the last little little bit of grass but it's not true there's so many variables and in english summers in particular there's lots of variables um do you think the the head groundsman here the new head groundsman at lords wanted 240 versus 240 for a world cup final he wanted 350 versus 350 but that pitch was a bit up and down, and it was a bit too paced, and it was hard to score runs. We saw against Ireland grass on the track. Now, that might have been deliberate to try and get the game done in two and a half, three days, sure. But uh, you saw again this pitch here. Is this really what you're looking for from a five-day pitch um, in a marquee test match? Probably not, to be honest. Uh, England, England will be alarmed uh, if they don't make immediate inroads tomorrow because it will be a long, hard slog. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. It's not going to cut up, but it, but it, will, it will get lower and slower. So, so what is your prediction for tomorrow? Uh, I'm useless at predictions. Um, that's not a prediction, that's a fact. Uh, I, I think England will, will scrap hard. I think Joffre Archer will take the first of many, many test wickets. And I think Australia will be up in the game by the end of it. Steve Smith 100, you heard it here first. <laughs> Shock horror. Cheers, Phil, for joining us. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Wisdom Ashes Daily Podcast brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of exciting memories since 1979. See you next time. Podcast Network.